week's episode of Andrea Town. I'm here Yay. with here with my biggest fan, my husband. It's true. I am I am your biggest fan. I don't know. Let's have a contest. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody who's well, listening, there's a contest. Sort of promotion. To on, see some who, online promotion. Eh, there might be somebody out there that beats you. Maybe. Maybe somebody's a bigger fan. I doubt it. Probably people that don't know me as well as you do. Possibly. I think you're a bigger fan and every year it's decreased. No. No. It's a, grown in other areas, like a cancer. <laughs> exactly, like a cancer. <laughs> anyway, um, well, we're here this week, and I thought that we would do a podcast because um, I feel like I'm just starting to find my voice in the podcast and, and some of the stuff I want to talk about. Obviously, a lot of the people that listen to the podcast know me as a comic and, you know, and funny and things that I joke about and stuff, but um, I think some of the stuff that I'm really serious about uh, in my life, I want to kind of bring to the podcast. And one of them is that um, some people know, and I've talked a little bit about it in my blog, is that um, I've struggled with an eating disorder for most of my life. And um, and now at this age, I've really kind of gotten into uh, tackling it like really very seriously. And, um, and I think a lot of people struggle with, um, with eating disorders and don't even know. So I want to talk a little bit about that today and how, how I came to even know that I had an eating disorder and just some of the different things that I did um, to try to work with it. And I'm having you on because we've been together how many years? Uh, I should know this right off the top of my head, shouldn't I? 2011 we met. Yeah, so we've been together for seven years. Seven yeah. years, yeah. yeah be Married for five. Married for five. It'll be six in January. Yep. And so you've sort of, um, not sort of, but you've ridden part of this wave with me. Yeah. And gotten to see kind of what um, what the struggles are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, before we get into my story, did you know anyone growing up? Like, what has been your experience with eating disorders? Um, I It was talked about in, like, you know, middle school. There were some educational videos that were, I can't remember if they were either shown in class or if they were shown, uh, at the, like the district level. Um, and, uh, so I knew what, uh, anorexia and bulimia were because it was, you know, they were discussed topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was probably some ABC after school special that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that. I remember the after school special yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, but uh you know, I, I i'm sure i knew uh i knew a couple of people who it was quite obvious that they had an eating disorder so obvious in what size just or? physically mm-hmm. they were they were uh, absolutely emaciated they were just it was obvious they were starving themselves for whatever reason or or um you know i i, I think uh bulimia is a, a little bit more difficult to see um yeah, I don't. I I th- I think from what I'm learning is that visually is is really a bad indicator of yeah. someone whether someone has an eating disorder or not because I think you could be. Obviously, we're not talking about, you know, incredibly emaciated, but right. you know, you could be thin and not have an eating disorder, and you can be normal size and have an eating disorder. Sure. You know, so I don't think, and, and I think that's that's one of the misconceptions totally. out there is that, you know, um, that you can determine it by looks, you know, or... Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is that, is that you know, if, if somebody is severely anorectic, then that that will present visually. Mm-hmm. But if they're, if they are, and if they're a combination of, of anorexic and bulimic, then... Um, you know that that may not present as easily in the same way. Uh, the same way, right? And I feel like with binge eating disorder, which is what I was diagnosed with, mm-hmm. um, with binge eating disorder, if you're overweight, if you have a weight problem, it it's not even addressed in an eating disorder modality or or treatment. It's more like, well, you got to go to the gym. You should, you know, um, 
diet, you know, people say, you know, derogatory things. They don't, they don't see it as an actual, um, disorder. Sure. And so I think that was for me, what was really hard with coming to terms with, you know, it's like a chicken or egg problem almost, you know, it's like, is it that I just need to suck it up and really just start running, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, or, or hit the gym harder. You know, I've had people say that to me, I just hit the gym harder, you'd be fine. Or, you know, go to Weight Watchers or whatever. And, and those things, when someone with an eating disorder uses those things to try to cure the eating disorder, it actually makes it worse. worse. And that's what, that's what happened with me. So, so I think now looking back, I've had it since I was about eight or nine. I think that's when it started. Okay. But I remember, it's kind of a funny story. I remember seeing a therapist and I had seen therapists before, but it was a new therapist for me. And, um, I probably won't say her name. It's probably a good idea not to. But anyway, <laughs> legally probably not a good idea. But she, um, no, she didn't do anything bad. But she, um, I was telling her kind of my story, which which I had told a bunch of other therapists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was just kind of telling her, the, you know, because a lot of the reasons why I would go to therapy was because I was unhappy with my weight or my size, or you know, couldn't stay on a diet, or I was binging at night. And what's mm-hmm. wrong with me? And why did I eat the whole box of cereal? And this was, you know, just common for me with therapists. And she just very calmly, as she's writing in her notes, she said, how long have you had an eating disorder? And I remember it like, it was like, you know, in the sixth sense, when you realize he was dead the whole time, right. spoiler, spoiler alert, alert. Um, it was like, it was like everything just pulled back. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, what? I have an eating disorder? And of course I didn't say that, you know what I mean? Because right. I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I just was like, Play yeah, cool. for, cool. for a long time. But she actually asked for my doctor's information and stuff because she wanted to create like a treatment team for me. You know, oh, wow. she knew that there okay. was a problem. And so good on her for like spotting Absolutely. it, you know. Um, uh, but it was funny because then um, she it was really hard to get sessions with her. And then I wound up watching... Um, a, t- a reality TV show and she was one of the therapists on it. So it was, she moved on to bigger and better things than me and my little eating disorder. Well, you know? now you know why she was difficult to get a hold of. Right. I'm like, bitch became a star. Right. <laughs> but anyway, she, uh, I didn't really think she was the right fit for me anyway, you know? Sure. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But that was when the, f- that was the first time anybody had ever said that to me. Said the words eating disorder. Right. Okay. And so I one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was because I spent a lot of time in 12 step groups for eating disorders Mm -hmm. and it made me worse. (laughs) It made my eating disorder worse looking back on it now. Um, because I found myself feeling very virtuous because I would restrict certain foods, like sure. not eat sugar, not eat flour, not eat carbs, not eat this. So it's basically like in 12 steps, they have you like figure out what your alcoholic foods are, like everything that's like alcohol. Right. Um, you know, they equate it that way. And then you just take all that stuff out. But what happens when you have an eating disorder, and I'm, I'm in no uh, way saying that everybody in a 12-step group has an eating disorder. I'm not doing their inventory. I don't know. All I'm saying is that for me and mm-hmm. people that do have an eating disorder, what happens is when you start to take out foods, you just, especially with binge eating disorder, you move to different foods. So for me, it started out with no sugar, and then I couldn't stop eating, you know, breads and carbs and so then that got cut out and then it was chips and that had to go then all of a sudden I was eating avocados then that had to go so it was like my list became smaller and smaller and smaller you know of what I could have and then if I would have a break you know it's like okay I can't eat any more fucking chicken and broccoli I'm just gonna go and eat a pizza the shame instantly, you know, now trying for people that are listening that have never been down this road. And for friends of mine that I have that were not in that world, they were like, girl, it's a pizza. You know what I mean? It's not the same. I'm like, Oh my God, I broke my abstinence. You understand. I've start over, you know? And in some of the 12 step groups, if you've broken your abstinence, you know, you've gone off, you can't talk like you can't, you're not allowed to speak. Some of the programs it's 90 days and some of them it's, um, 30 days or seven days or whatever, sure. you know, but it's very punitive it's, yeah, and restrictive and punitive. And, yeah. but it was the only thing that gave me that temporary relief. Like the first time that I ate a very structured food plan like mm-hmm. that 
with nothing that, you know, <laughs> no foods that I liked, basically, um, my head got really quiet. And I became super addicted to that, to that yeah. feeling. And you went through that with me. Yeah, a couple times, yeah. So you see, like, that cycle. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, you, you know, you and I have talked about... Um, you know, we we both uh, listened to Jenny Schaefer's book, right? Life with life, life without Ed. Ed. Life without Ed. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're both big fans of Brene Brown. Yes. And, and her talk about uh, the difference between shame and embarrassment, and, mm-hmm. and humility and, uh, and, and guilt, humiliation. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so, it's it's been an interesting struggle, and and I I just I I always hoped for you that we'd find you know, the one thing, the panacea that's going to, that's going to take care of, of all of whatever's, whatever's going on, something that's going to, that you're going to be able to stick with and something that's going to, um, something that's going to allow you the freedom from this. I mean, they're, they're shackles basically. Yeah. It's like a monster. That's, that's the way to describe it. Like, um, you know, Jenny Schaefer talks about in her book that, you know, she named it Ed and in all the people that she's ever met, there's only like one or two people that it was a woman. It was a female. Sure. But for most women, it's a, it's a man. It could be Edwina. Right. Well, she, I think one of them named it Edie or something. Oh yeah. Edie works too. Yeah. There we go. But for most of us, it's a, it's a male figure and it's very demonstrative and it's, uh, demonstrative. Is that the word when it's like a monster? Uh, monstrous monstrous yeah it's uh, demonic demonic that's the word i'm looking for it's demonic you know it's really really uh very controlling and it's definitely a voice it definitely talks to you and says this like super mean stuff and you believe it you know and um you know not to keep referencing jenny schaefer maybe one day she'll come on as a guest on the podcast because she's you know she's really helped me Hint. hint hint but um her book really opened up my eyes to some things. But one of the things that she talks about is that, you know, Ed is kind of crazy. So one minute it's like, you know, you're, you're a piece of shit. You're so fat. Look at you. What are you doing? You know what I mean? You better not eat. Are you going to lunch? You can't go to lunch today. You're fat. Look what you ate last night. You know And I'm like? Oh my God, you're right. You have wow. to have a salad or don't, you know, don't get dressing. Don't, you know, so you're listening to that. Mm-hmm. And then in the, you know, shortly after that, it's like, oh my God, you were so good. You had the salad. Just go get cookies and eat the whole thing and just keep eating. And you know what? Go back to that restaurant where you had the salad. Now have lasagna and have, you know, so it's just like, (laughs) and you're just like in a trance, like just following it. And, and where, where 12 steps for me kind of made this worse is that it paralleled that, um, on again, off again, on again, off again, right. in, out, abstinent, not abstinent, you, starting over, day one, clean slate. The counting, you know, is a big obsession with people that have eating disorders, you mm-hmm. know. And if you go into any kind of eating disorder recovery or even, um, you know, there, there is a 12-step group uh, that I want to say is not, um, you know, Eating Disorders Anonymous is a program that doesn't. Um, promote that kind of restriction, okay. you know, but in those type of groups, you don't talk numbers, you don't talk counting, you don't, because, gotcha. you know, as my therapist says, you know, that eating disorder brains are very sticky. And so we latch on to things, you know what I mean? Sure. Like we can hear certain things and numbers and it gets comparative, you know? Well, and, and I think, you know, not to disparage any 12 step groups, but it's, the anything outside of of drugs or alcohol i think really runs the risk of um smashing the ego further than it needs to go uh you yeah. know the 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 thing about the the drug and alcohol 12 step programs is that's that's about ego reduction because that's what that's what gets outsized um with the you know the the oh, I can do this on my own. I, you know, I uh, and and sometimes leads to violence. Sometimes breaks out in handcuffs. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, for food, th- those people, the people that are in those food programs that that I have met, are not like that at all. You know, no, the, they're the, very self-flagellating, flagellate, flagellating, flagell. Yeah, there's a lot of self-flagellation. There's a lot yeah. of depression. It's a lot of. It's a very yeah. 
It's um, it's not you're the, beating yourself up enough. Basically, you exactly. don't need someone else the, to beat you it's up. It's not the uh, look the, at me. The, the classic. I'm the piece of shit that the world revolves around. Yeah, it's just I'm it's, a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm and, just a piece yeah. of shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, it's that's, more of that. Right. There's a lot of shame, and you know, you brought up uh, Brene Brown earlier, and that was one of there were there were like little things that were kind of like starting to chip away at my belief system about this. And, and I really respect Brene Brown. Maybe one day she'll come on the podcast. Hint, hint, girl. If you build it, they will come. Um, come on the podcast, <laughs> y'all. You can call in. You don't have to come to my living room. Um, but, but <laughs> Although you're welcome. You're more than welcome. But she said that um, that shame cannot be a tool for addiction. Like, right. like an, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, but basically like the worst thing you can do to someone that suffers with addiction is to shame, to them. shame them. And that was a lot of what it was, you know, in the 12 step groups. And, you know, the people, God bless them that have been in for a really long time that have not eaten X, Y, and Z for, you know, 25 years or whatever, totally. I think have figured out a way to live without it. They don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not obsessing about it, all that. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that I'm friends with in that program that I think have, you know, gr- a great life and, and it works it works for them. And so I'm totally. not in any way saying they're doing it wrong. No. For them, that's what works. But... What I question, and I've seen this a lot, is that restriction tends to restrict all areas of your life, right. you know? And that's another thing that Brene Brown talks about is that you can't, you know, be restrictive in one thing because you're also restricting joy and life and all that other stuff. And sure. so I feel like people that live this super rigid, super restrictive, like I can't go outside this food plan or whatever thing also apply that to other areas in their lives. And mm-hmm. the, and the, the women that I know, I know obviously more women than sure. men have had hard times in relationships. And I think it's because you're living in a box, you know, and unless you meet somebody who's willing to jump in that box with you, right. it gets hard, you know? So I'm not in any way saying that anybody that has found something that works for them, whatever, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that it's wrong for them. Cause I don't know sure. what's right for anybody. All I know is for me, it made me worse. It made me more obsessive. Mm-hmm. And this year has really been about trying to find my way, you know, and I've been, I would say, what's it now? September yeah. from January to September, I may have probably flipped in and out of programs and, and, and sometimes a couple times a month. Yeah. In, out, up, down, in, yeah. out, up, down, you know, and, um, yeah. and, and in, the thing in, a, in and out of WW. Yeah. That too. And we'll, we'll talk a little, I want to talk a little bit about yeah, that too. About that. Um, you know, because I think it's very important to start to separate when someone has an, a, a, an eating disorder or disordered eating, however you want to look at that sure. and how the dieting world can really be very damaging to that. Now, if you're someone who, I don't know, you know, went to college, stopped eating your family's meals, you ate out a lot, you put on 10 pounds, you go to a program, you follow, get back on track, maybe that works. I don't, you know what I mean? But I think one of the problems with WW is that um, for a lot of people, it's their first diet. And so it starts really young, you know? And I think for, I know for me, when I was put on my first diet, I was just like in that prepubescent age. And that's way too young for anything like that. Especially for women, because, you know, um, Anita Johnson talks about, you know, prepubescent is like that before you're, before a woman goes through her first cycle, we actually need weight. We need that to, in Absolutely. order to create the hormones. That's why when people get super skinny, they stop having stop their period. Exactly. Yeah. So you actually, it's, it's something actually biological going on. And um, you've been really um, very adamant with me about what's the science, you totally. know? And that's really what I would encourage people to do if you're struggling and you've kind of feel like you've tried everything and why mm-hmm. is it not working? And what's wrong with you? I would really go to the science. Really look at people who have done studies. You know, my therapist right now has 20 years in working with eating disorders, you know, and I and I will have her on the podcast to talk fantastic about, you know, what she sees and what's it about, you know, but we're we're so 
immersed in diet culture. Absolutely. Well, and I, I've always had a problem with the way that, that society uses the word diet. Like, I, I love, like, the word itself is great. It just basically means the food that you eat. And we've turned it into this, this, this bad four-letter word. Meaning um, restriction of some kind. Yeah, and, and and honestly, like if you're going to do that, call it food plan or or something. Like this That's is the paleo food plan. Or That's the, interesting because you say right. Just not to interrupt you, but what sure. you said about diet, we use the word diet as what we're not eating. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Where where it's restricted, and diet, the meaning of the word is about the food that you eat. Mm. Yeah, and you know um, the other thing is that. You know the the mortality rate that you know on eating disorders is is really, I mean it's it's very serious. Yeah. You know, and people do die from this. You know, and not just from one end of the spectrum, but you know, from the other end as well. You know. Absolutely. Well, I I would imagine that you know, I'm sure eating disorders contribute to things, and and because because not to say that they don't affect men because they do, but they affect women more predominantly, and some of that might be societal, some of that might be uh, biological. I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't done that research, um, but uh, you know because of the restrictive nature of some of these things, I'm sure it leads to things like osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, various organ failures, you know, either kidney or liver failure, depending on what you're eating or what you're restricting or what, you know, what nutrients you're not getting enough of. Um, you know, in terms of mood, you and I have talked about this. It's uh, what's going on with your, with the microbiome of your, of your, of your gut. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to, you talk to Kyle about that as well. Yeah. Um, just that, that affects mood, that affects uh, everything in your body. Just the, the, the central nervous system is a system. Right. Like it, it needs certain things. And when, when certain bacteria get out of whack, um, you know, things go wonky. And, and a lot of that can be caused from the on again, off again dieting. Absolutely. You know, like, um, I, you know, part of my struggle has been, you know, the restriction and then the binging and then the restriction and the binging. Mm-hmm. So this, the, my stomach never really gets, an even amount of anything, you know, but there's so much, I mean, there's so much we can go into, but I want to touch a little bit on intuitive eating because, you know, it's funny. It's like intuitive eating has become like, it is the buzzword in eating disorder community of like the, the gold standard of where, you know, what we should all strive for. And it's so interesting that that is what we're all born with. We're all born with that intuitive eating. And then we go away from it, you know, because of whatever right. happened. And for me, um, I was a pretty normal eater. I remember, <coughs> you'll have to edit my cough out. I will do that. Um, I, I was a pretty normal eater and I remember I was a super picky eater. I didn't like a lot of foods. And I also really would rather spend so much more time outside playing my bike, mm-hmm. whatever. And then, you know, I was in, in, on, in television commercials and stuff. And so I started to get a little pudgy. My family got a little nervous. I started to like food a little bit too much. And they started to be like, oh, you don't need that second piece of bread and don't touch that. And you don't need dessert. And what are you doing? And where are you going? What are you doing in the fridge? And that, I think, put a light on it oh as gosh. it being shameful or wrong or and whatever. And how old were you? I would say eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, anything before 10, you're just, you're, you're setting somebody up for disaster. Well, I think at any stage you're setting people up for disaster Agreed, because I mean, it's formative years, right? but even if it happens to you at 14, oh, uh, totally. anything that you're shamed for and you think you have to hide. And it could be just that one thing that that one parent or teacher teacher or, or boyfriend that just or, sticks know. with you because yeah. it because it's a because it agrees with something that you're already thinking maybe. well sometimes you're not even thinking sure. it. you know it's pointed out to you you know what i mean and and once oh, it's oh am i and then you start obsessing and then you it. can't unsee it you right, know what i mean right. and that's sort of what happened to me i didn't Ugh. know that i was chubby i didn't know that there was something wrong and it's so funny when i look back at the pictures now I wasn't chubby. You were normal. <laughs> was normal. You were a normal looking girl. <laughs> Very normal. Yes. And um, I had a round face, mm-hmm. you know, I, so my face was kind of chubby, but that was just that, you know, 
That was just my face. I still you know? have a round face. Yeah. But it's not, it, you know, because of what was going on with my family at that time, right. it was, I think, pointed at. And, you know, you know, both my parents were in entertainment. They both have always struggled with their weight and their, and their right. body image. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? For both my parents, you know, they were both pretty much normal size their whole life. You know, they both had their, their periods where they would get super skinny or get a little overweight. Sure. But both my parents are pretty normal-sized people, yes. always have been. But it's body image. It's the way that you see yourself, you know. Totally. And um, and that's what I hope really changes in, in the world, you know. I really hope that we start to see more people on television, in magazines, in music, you know, that, that are all shapes and sizes totally. because... Even though they say, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're becoming more body conscious and we're putting, but, but still on television, what's represented is extremely overweight or extremely underweight. That's right. That's and right. the majority of the world is in between those two sizes, yeah. you know, yeah. everywhere in between. So I think by going to the extreme, television feels like, oh, well, look, you know, we right. have this show that has somebody on it that's overweight, but it's like, you know, and I kind of joke about this in my stand-up. It's like, what about the medium fat people? Like, you know what I mean? Where are we on television gotcha. that are just like not even fat, but I, I joke about it being medium fat, but it's just normal. It's just yeah. normal sized, you know? Well, and and I mean, you know, even in the comic world, you know, Roseanne Barr was a was a large woman. And she has, you know, she's half the woman she used to be. Um you know, so it even it, it definitely affects there as well. Um, now, I was walking through Target earlier today, um, and there are plus size models that they're using for the um, the Target the, ads the, now. The bathing suits, mm-hmm. and, and, and I was smart. like, oh, good for them, yeah. And I mean, I, I know Dove Dove Soap has been doing yep. a campaign around that as well for a long time. And but I think what I'd like to see is to where it doesn't stand out, where it's not like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Right. And I was saying this uh, earlier to someone that, you know, we'll vic- look at Victoria's Secret models. Mm-hmm. There's not anybody who's not in the body of a... 14-year-old girl, really. You know right. what I mean? It's like, yeah. branch it out. Open it up a little bit. And I and well, I don't... And I think their argument would be like, that's what Lane Bryant is for, or... Yeah, but people that shopped at Victoria's Secret are not all a size zero. Right. That If it is, then why do they have sizes that go beyond zero? Right. That's my point, is like, if your sizes go from you know, like extra small to extra large, then your models need to go from extra small small to to extra extra large. large. Absolutely. Then that's what needs to walk that runway. You know what I mean? And it's, um, when I was in, uh, in treatment, they talked about, um, you know, how even as children, you know, the bad guys (laughs) are usually the fat guys and the heroes are the the, thin tones, you know? And so it's changed a little bit. We've seen a little bit of that changing, you know, in cartoons and stuff, but pretty much that's the way that it was. Damn you, Captain Planet. I don't know that reference. Okay. Captain Planet was, you know, big and Muscular guy. Yeah, but I'm thinking of like... Voiced by Tom Cruise. I'm thinking about like those cartoons that were on Saturday morning where it was like the bad guys were always like these short, stocky, you know, guys. They were never like good looking or thin because those were the good guys, you know? And so it just, it's already putting it in your head. It's interesting because... um, for cartoons, that's true. I think that's less true for um, that's less true for like comic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. no. Superman, hot, thin, gorgeous. But Lex Luthor, uh, also thin but creepy. Uh, totally. Yeah. But, but you know, so they gets didn't buffed have, at one point. They didn't have anybody that was overweight in Superman. No. Yeah. No. So, I mean, in the movie, they had Otis. So, you know, I remember when um, when Obama um, became president and, um, and one of my girlfriends is African-American said, you know, she was just bawling at the sight of these young, their kids, the young, their daughters, yeah. these young, beautiful black girls who were, you know, living in the White House, you know, and just what an image that was for her. You right. know, it was just so powerful because growing up, there wasn't that you know, emulated or shown or whatever. And I think that's the same thing that needs to change with television and film. Listen, if you're a, if you're a girl who's of normal size and you have aspirations, you know, or even if you're overweight and you have aspirations to be an actress, what's the first thing you think you need to do? 
lose weight. Lose weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happened to me. You know, I, I mean, when I moved to LA, I was, I had already lost a lot of weight. Right. But, um, you know, everybody that I grew up watching on TV, you know, that looked, I mean, listen, in New Jersey, you don't see the people that you see on television right. walking around. When you move to LA. Unless you go to the shore. Not even at the shore, you know, shore is oh, totally not the beach in LA. You right. know, you go no, to no, you no, go no. Santa That's Monica right. on a right. Saturday, it does yes. not look like the Jersey Shore. No, it does not. So, when you have that vision of like these people on television, you know, these like incredibly beautiful, thin people on television, when you move to LA, they're everywhere, they're everywhere. Yes. They live in your building, they work yes. at the, the restaurant you it go is, to. It is not, um. It's commonplace. It's you are. It really is a dime a dozen in L.A. And I know, you know, uh, I did extra work on Baywatch. Um, (laughs) That's a weird brag, but um, (laughs) right, it's a humble brag. Humble brag. But um, you know, I remember having lunch with those girls. You know what I mean? And it just it was everyone was in their eating disorder about. You know, a lot of bulimia, a lot of like, yeah, I'm going to go eat this lunch, but you're going to stay with me, right? Or, you know, or just, I remember being on, um, I was playing a personal trainer on um, uh, a TV show. It doesn't matter which one, TV show. And, um, you know, I hate it when we would break for dinner because I was starving and I couldn't eat, you know? And that's when I started doing Dexatrim because it was like, I would eat little tiny bits right. and it would f- make me feel full, you know, just so that I oh could, you know. But anyway, back to intuitive eating. Um, you know, intuitive eating is kind of like listening to your body. And, right. you know, and and I tried it many, many times and I failed, you know. And I think I didn't really understand what intuitive eating is. And there is a big difference between listening to your body or listening to your mind, you know. And if your mind is so controlled by the eating disorder you're not feeding your body or your hunger or whatever and there's a long period of time where you know anytime I feel full comfortably full even not stuffed but just full I panic (laughs) like I actually panic about like oh my god I ate too much I ate too much I ate too much you know which is just which is honestly probably just a feeling of of, I am satiated right Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, so today I had to fill out a questionnaire, um, you know, that basically goes through all these things. And it was really frightening to see how much I live with silently, like how much I don't even really think about it, you know, um, and how, you know, like how addicted I can get to the new plan, whatever the new plan's going to mm-hmm. be to lose the weight and get it off, whatever. Sure. So I mean, part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I think I want to really start to talk about this more often, bring people on that are recovered from an eating disorder, okay. bring people on that, um, that work in this field. Sure. Um, to see, you know, if I can help people. Cause I think that's really, you know, a passion of mine mm-hmm. and there's a, you know, podcasts that I listen to that, that deal with this issue have been really, really helpful because, um, that's, that's one of the great things I think about podcasts right now is mm-hmm. that people can really talk about what they want to talk about. And it's not just, doesn't have to get picked and go through mainstream media or, you know, and the reality is, is that, you know, the weight loss industry is a multi-billion dollar business, Absolutely. you know, I, just like the supplement industry and the, yeah, it's, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, but there is, um, I feel like there's a new, um, wave of recovery that's coming up. That's Mm -hmm. helping people understand what it really means to be recovered from an eating disorder. And, and, and I, and I think my passion specifically is geared towards binge eating because I think like I, like I said, the beginning of this podcast, if you're overweight, you're looked at as being, lazy or fat or you need to work harder or why don't you, you know, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, well just, you know, know, stop eating so many carbs or why don't you eat more salads or, you know, and it's, if it's a real eating disorder, that's not the answer. That's more of the problem, you know? Well, and I was thinking about this, um, earlier when, when you were first talking about it, the, the, the whole concept of eating disorder 
is uh, predicated on um, civilization. Like, if if you ha- if you don't have your I'm sorry if we're going off on a tangent here. If I'm taking us off on a tangent, no, we're we, not. You are. We can okay. we can we can edit this out <laughs> if we need to. Um, but that it's it, it requires civilization. Like if you are a nomadic tribe that is you know living meal to meal, basically, an eating disorder sort of flies in the face of survival. So it probably doesn't exist. Um, or if it does, then you're not going to survive very long. You know, so I, I don't think when, um, you know, when everyone was wandering the desert um, before they settled down in city-states that, that there were a whole lot of anorexics or, or bulimics or people with binge eating disorder. And, and, and within those societies, in fact, uh, being overweight was a sign of wealth. You know, just like in the Polynesian societies, being fat is a, is a sign of uh, prosperity. Well, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, pre any sort of focus on looks, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. So the more... Well, and, and, and the the ready, the, re, the ready access to food. Yeah, and it was, it know, was the, about that, survival. Yeah, you're, you're in the hierarchy of needs. If you meet that, if you meet the food need, um, then all of a sudden you can focus on something else. Right, and, and, and we so, don't have and so a... The, I think the brain kind of does its... We don't, we don't have a, um, a lack of finding food. Right. You know, that's definitely not what's happening now. And I don't, I think, I personally think what eating disorders are bred out of is, uh, is physicality, yeah. is looks and what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to fit in. You know, I told, um, I told a friend today, I said, you know, there was a great documentary called A Day Without a Mexican and it showed, yeah, it showed what, you know, if, if the, if the script got flipped, basically right. what it would be like. And I would love to see a documentary of like we woke up tomorrow and skinny was considered what you don't want to be and fat is considered what you do want to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's just the thing. People just decided that this body type looking this way is beautiful yes. and acceptable and, and desirable you know, and what the, men the, want. The halls of high fashion or, you know, it was something to sell more somethings. You Whatever know, it was, they decided yeah. this is what's in. We've got we've got this great new fabric that's gonna that 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 sort of compresses things. That's great for like wound care and for compression, like compression socks. But oh my god, it'll also suck in your gut while you know, so that you can fit into those pants. Yeah, like, just it just it's made, just a way to sell more things. Well, I think I think more than that, it's just it's figuring out, you know. What is the ideal, mm-hmm. and then how people who are not supposed to be in that ideal can be in that ideal, and that includes liposuction and plastic surgery, sure. and you know, photoshopping and editing and making Absolutely. yourself look like you know, there's a small population that is built to look that certain way, right? And everyone else is trying to kill themselves to get there, right? And the majority f- of people, and for what <laughs> you right. know, that that is what I'm passionate about sure. changing because. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, with what's happening with the Me Too movement and what's happening now in in feminism and just women empowerment and body positivity and all that is that, you know, I think as women, we need to take back the power of what we want to look like and Mm -hmm. what we find beautiful in ourselves and, and, and change the concept of beauty completely. You know what I mean? Because I have girlfriends that are, you know, and I, I put myself in this category too, that are smart, compassionate, incredible women mm-hmm. who put that second, third, fourth, and last to the list of what they look like in a picture or how pretty they are or who wants them or sure. doesn't want them or who they're desirable to. or you know. And it's just, it's sad. You know, it's really yeah. sad. And I think that we have the power to change it. We do. We you do. know, and listen. I I think I was very blessed growing up because I grew up in a household where uh, looks were not talked about. Yeah, and you grew up in San Jose too. So I think that it. I hate to. <laughs> I don't know what this sounds like, but wow. no. But I mean, I mean, intelligence <laughs> San, is San what's, Jose, home of the ugly people. No, no. <laughs> but it's but but what's valued there is different. You know, um, I think intelligence sure. and and education and your political. 
beliefs and what you stand for is just more important, you know, yeah. than looks. And I will say it's a little bit of that in New Jersey too. You know, it was more about raising families and being a good totally. mom and being a good aunt and, you know, and showing up for your, your, your neighbor's christening and right. parties and that kind of stuff than it was like how you look in jeans. And then there was also like in New Jersey, I would say there was also like stages of life, mm-hmm. like, in your 20s and okay, you know, but once you were out of your 20s, it was about getting a career, getting a husband, getting a life, getting a wife, getting a house, getting shit, sure. you know, you weren't expected to still be the hot girl at the club in your 30s and your 40s and God forbid your 50s, whereas I feel like LA is a little different in that, you so know. So can we give this up now? Can we give up the club thing? <laughs> you could give it up, Kevin. Oh God, I can't no, even. I'm talking about you. I can't even imagine you in a club. Oh God. Oh God. Um, Night at the Roxbury. That's yeah. That's what we end up with with that's me in a club. That's what you would be for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that um, I think that in LA it's a little bit different, and I think in the industry it's it's a little bit it's a little bit pushed, you know, as far as like you know you gotta you gotta stay looking as young as you can as long as you possibly can, and I sure. think I think all those things kind of feed into it. But I guess what I'm saying is that it's. It's within the power of each person to to start to change this. You know, I have a lot of jokes about that. You know, that like women, we're supposed to have curves. We're supposed to yes. have an ass. We're supposed to have Please. hips. We're supposed to have all that. And Please. if your man wants you to have no hips and no ass and a flat stomach and, you know, it's he's looking for an 18-year-old boy. That's who's built like that. <laughs> Probably 12. But yeah. <laughs> well, we don't want to make it pedophilia. We're just <laughs> keeping it weird well, and not I mean, that you weird. Know, maybe he wants to be a priest. But... <laughs> Shout out to all the priests that are never going to do my podcast now. Oh, that's not true. No, but you know what I'm saying. There, and, and that is a lot of what I think of when I see certain actresses. You know, it's almost like a a, a boy that hasn't gone through puberty with a boob job. Like right, that's, you right. know, to, to kind of starve yourself down to that, you know. Yeah. And like I said, there are people that that's their normal body. That's sure. their natural size. That's their normal body. That's fine but i'm saying for me to get skinny it's it's a full-time fucking job you know what i mean and um and i want to be healthy that's the most important thing you know and there's a great book out now we'll have to google who um who wrote it but it's a book called healthy at any size okay and it's starting to debunk the myth that thin is healthy and and fat is not healthy you know that there are people that can be healthy at at you know, at any size that that Absolutely. that, that kind of goes out the window. Well, and and you know there are there are myriad videos on YouTube of you know girls that you wouldn't consider dancers, mm-hmm. um, but they move mm-hmm. and they are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like it just the things that that they do are are uh, as graceful, if not more graceful than than what you would see from you know, a, a professional dance company. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so. Well, yeah, there's a lot of pressure in that, you know, and, and dancers, I mean, most most dancers that I've talked to have had eating disorders, severe eating disorders. Absolutely. Ballerinas, all that kind of yes. stuff, just that pressure. Well, the, the, in ballet girls. specifically, yes, but I mean, in, in things like modern dance or in jazz dance, yeah. um, you know, I think there, there's a little more leeway there and and it's just always, it's just always more refreshing to see somebody at a normal size you know, or larger. Yeah. Pull, and I don't want to, I don't want to skinny shame anybody. You know what no, I mean? No, 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 <laughs> like, no. Not I feel like there's room for everybody. I mean, I guess what, what the ultimate message is, is, is I think if you're suffering with an eating disorder mm-hmm. to get professional help and start to, um, to learn what, and this is, this is really why I wanted to do this podcast today not knowing the information or being given incorrect information can kind of yeah. keep you in that purgatory that I was in for years, like not knowing. That's really what it was for me. It wasn't like, okay, this is the way it should be. And I choose to fall off track and keep, right. you know, it was just like, is it this or is it that? Should I go here? Or should I go there? Is that the right way? Is this the right way? So it's like really getting that scientific, scientifically based research. Sure. Um, and understanding where you can go and get help, what to go and look for, where what to steer away from, why you don't want to go on a diet, why diets are sure. really not the answer to and, to the problem. And let's be clear, like a, a a diet is different from a food plan, 
So if it's yeah, a, if you're working, if you're with, working a with a registered dietitian, right, and they've given you, but and, then, but then also, if you have an eating disorder, you need to work with a registered dietitian that understands eating, eating disorders. Because yes. I've worked with dietitians who are registered who don't understand eating disorders, sure. and they give you a meal plan or whatever. But you know, I, there's a lot of dietitians that believe you know chicken, broccoli, brown rice, you know salmon, you know, and that's fine. There's sure. nothing wrong with that. There's, there's, right. But for someone that struggles with an eating disorder, when we go off a meal plan or don't follow what we're supposed to do sometimes, it sets up the cycle. And especially for me struggling with binge eating disorder, if I didn't have the broccoli, the brown rice, and and the grilled salmon, and I had a slice of pizza... I felt like I blew it. It's over. I got to start, wow. you know. So that's yeah. where, like I told you, my therapist says eating disorder brains can be very sticky. You know, yes. we don't, we don't have that ability, or I don't have that ability to go. It's okay. Yeah. You know, tomorrow it'll be a different day. I don't. It's like all that all or nothing thinking. And um, wow. so I would really suggest getting to work with someone who really understands eating disorders. Sure. Um, there's some great literature out there. Um, intuitive eating is a great book. I would mm-hmm. read that book. Um, eating in the light of the moon is another great book. Life, um, without, Ed. Life without Ed, um, is another great book. Um, and then there's a book called the eight keys to recovering from an eating disorder. Um, that's, that's also a great book. So sure. all these, you know, if you Google the best books in eating disorders, I'm sure right. a lot of it will come up, but, um, but you know, and and get get some support because that's the main thing. You know, this is I think a, a disorder that we we struggle with in isolation. There's a lot of embarrassment, a lot of shame, and that's mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because you know I talk to a lot of interesting people, and you know, and I and I enjoy it, and we have fun, and we laugh. Mm-hmm. But I think really what's um, important for me is to talk about what I've learned, and if it can help somebody. I think that's kind of like the key to what makes life um, fulfilling sure. is finding a way to take something that I've struggled with, you know, and, and I've always tried to be that kind of person, whatever it is, you know, whether it's in stand up or in acting or, you know, even when I managed actors, you know, I just always try to give them the information that I didn't have, you know, yeah. so they can you know, help themselves and move the ball down the field quicker. So that's sort of what I want to do with this. And I want to, you know, have some more podcasts that interview people that to, so where we can kind of like, you know, recover and grow as a, as a community, because this really is the wave of the future. I think gone are the days of the starving ourselves as women, you know, and and I don't want to just not include men in this because I know men that struggle with an eating disorder and I, I don't want to say that it's even harder, but in some ways it is because women, we kind of have, I think, um, an understanding that we struggle with weight and issues and body. But, you know, for men, it's a lot tougher. And, it's, and I think it's much more acceptable, for as weird as that sounds, it's mm-hmm. much more acceptable for women to have an eating have disorder, an eating yeah. disorder than, uh, than, than it is um, for men. So. Yeah, so guys, if you're out there and you feel like you're struggling too, like, uh, I gotcha. You know, I got your back. So anything I can do to help or support, um, you know, I have a lot of a lot of close friends that have really, um, you know, ha- had issues with food, you know, mm-hmm. and I know how painful it can be and how shameful and, you know, how we feel about it. And, you know, and as comics, um, you know, we joke about it, laugh about it, whatever. But but there is a lot of pain to it, you know, sure. living living with it and not knowing not knowing what the answer is. And so um, I really feel for the first time I'm, I've am i got my my treatment team. Like I've got people that I'm working with and um, it's expensive. It's not cheap. But you have to get yourself the best care because you're worth it and your life depends upon it. And um, I know that I can't be there for the people that I love if I'm checked out, you know, and that's what food does. It really checks me out. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it's been, uh, because of that, that I've checked out in so many areas of my life, you know, with my career, my dreams, it's robbed so much of that, you know, so many times. And it's, it's sad when I think about it now, I didn't even show up at auditions because I thought, Oh my God, I'm too fat. And I mean, this was, 
this was when I was not fat. You know, this was when, you know, we're talking about like, you know, my weight went up three pounds and I thought, oh my God, I'm a disgrace and I got to just lose this weight and then I can go on this audition. So it really did block me creatively. And uh, yeah, and I'm just done. You know, Jenny Schaefer has this great partner book where she writes like this divorce decree to Ed because she's just done. But um, that's how I feel. I'm just done. I've given it way too much of my time, my energy. It's robbed me of friendships and creative endeavors and um you know and i'm just i'm just done just done being that person so i feel like i'm on the right path and i just wanted to share that with everybody and i was super excited when you called me and you were like i think i want to do this podcast today come on come home and and we'll make that happen (laughs) thank you for doing it because it would be it's strange if i don't have anybody you don't have anybody to talk to absolutely i'm always i'm always here i might be a boring guest but i'm always here no you're not a boring guest you're you're interesting and weird (laughs) i say things about civilization and (laughs) back when we were nomadic <laughs> well, you're gonna have to cut that out because when you cut out that part, that's the funny thing when you're the guest and also the editor. I'm like, what was that? What happened to that dumb thing you said? You're like, yeah. <laughs> not so dumb anymore. I don't remember it. <laughs> Never happened. You were laughing um, at me. <laughs> no, but I appreciate you being a guest. And um, thanks for having me. Yeah, on. and so you guys, please, um, you know, write in. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and. Wherever, wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you get your podcast at Blueberry, Google Play. Really? Are there yeah. that many? Oh, Jeez, yeah. look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, iTunes have, is the biggest one. But. I have a friend who um, I, I said, you know, go listen to one of my podcasts. And I said, just go on your podcast app. And he's like, oh, I never even knew what that was for. So <laughs> I felt pretty proud. I'm like, yeah. You're educating people. Oh, I love it. So I'm probably the only podcast he's got subscribed there to. There you now. go. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So um, send a big, uh, a big bunch of love to everybody who relates to this and struggles with this. And um, I'm here for you guys. I would love to help you get the support you need. Um, feel free to reach out, email. Please go to the website, um, which is andreanatoli.com. Sign up for, and, the, sign up for um, the mailing list. Yeah, sign up for the mailing list. I send out some uh, some fun stuff and let you know what I'm doing. And if I have some free tickets to shows, yeah. I, I share that uh, with you guys. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, everything's Andrea Natoli at this point, Facebook. Except for Facebook. Facebook is Andrea Natoli Comedy. Okay, well, there you go. Spoken from my webmaster. Yep. Um, and then we are going to be doing some podcasts live from the Peppermill on the Las Vegas Strip. So that'll be fun. I'll let that you guys know. Fun. When, uh, when we'll be doing some live podcasts down there. This one has been live from our living room. And, um, yeah, so just shout out to me. Let me know how I can help you. Feel free to share this podcast if uh, you're not struggling, but you know somebody that is. Um, and hopefully uh, hopefully please, we, please we help be, somebody. Please be discreet when you do, because you might send it to somebody who doesn't have an eating disorder. They'd be like, why are you sending this to me? Maybe they do and they don't know. Maybe they do and they don't know. Share it with everybody anyway. Yeah. Somebody knows somebody. It's, and um, It's all about the love. It's all about the love here at Andrew Town. This week it's a love episode. Woo woo. <laughs> all right, you guys. Till next time. This is Andrea signing off. Thank you, Kevin, for being my guest. Thank you and, for having me. And uh, yeah, have a great night.